Little honey bees flying around, little green peas from the ground, buttermilk biscuits nice and brown. Bring it to Tennessee farm table, butter beans, peas, beets and chard, chickens running in the yard, catfish frying in that lard. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Cast on skillets, good and hot. Watch it steam and crack and pop. Cornbread bacon in that stove. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Pick them maters, good and ripe. Drop in black gang candy stripes. Look at 'em loading down those vines. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Bring it to Tennessee Farm Table. Welcome to the Tennessee Farm Table, a show that is dedicated to the people of our Appalachian region who produce, prepare, and preserve our local foods and agricultural products. This is your hostess, Amy Campbell. Our theme song was graciously sung, arranged, and produced by East Tennessee's own Emmy Sunshine of Madisonville, Tennessee. So today, we are setting the table with a native grape to Tennessee in the Appalachian Mountains, the Muscadine. Our guest is J.D. Dalton, Vineyard Manager at Solly Notch Vineyard in Monroe County, Tennessee. J.D. tells us about the Muscadine grape, Solly Notch Vineyard, the wines, jams, jelly, and value-added products they produce from the grapes they raise, and the upcoming National Muscadine Festival that they are hosting this year. We also hear a segment from our friend Fred Sausman from Johnson City on apple butter. Fred shares a recipe tip for sausage balls with apple butter from the late storyteller Catherine Tucker Wyndham. If you're listening by radio, I've got a gospel number picked out from the Nashville Bluegrass Band. And I think it's important to state that the people I feature today on the show, Solly Notch Vineyard and Fred Sausman and Alan Benton, They do not advertise with me or anything. I just like to share the good work of our neighbors to our community involving food and farming in Appalachia. It is a real privilege to have your good company today, and I just thank you for tuning in. Now let's get started. All right, and I thought I'd share with you a few facts about muscadines that seem to always come up in conversation before we meet with J.D., The muscadine grape is native to the southeastern United States and grows in the wild from Delaware to the Gulf of Mexico and as far west as Missouri and Kansas, Oklahoma and Texas. Muscadines grow in the wild throughout the southeastern United States, spreading into eastern Texas and as far north as Virginia. The question of what is a scuppernog and what is a muscadine always seems to come up. And a scuppernog is a variety of muscadines named after the Scuppernog River in North Carolina. And it has loosely come to refer to all bronze and green varieties of muscadines. The harvest season runs from the last week of July to early October, depending on what state you're in. J.D. Dalton is the vineyard manager at Solly Notch Vineyard in Monroe County, Tennessee. 
That is spelled T-S-A-L-I, Sally. The vineyard is easy to get to. It's well marked with signage and clearly marked routes from Knoxville. You can get there by going out 411 towards Madisonville. And it makes an enjoyable day trip. A person could combine a stop at Allen Benton's off 411 on the way to the vineyard and do both things in the same day. And uh, there's even an adorable little black and white dog named Solly who will most likely greet you when you drive up. At this vineyard, they grow over 200 rows of muscadine grapevines that are beautifully maintained by J.D. and his family and a small number of employees. They specifically raise muscadine grapes, and they produce a variety of award-winning wines along with value-added products like jams and jellies and other things like lip balms, and they are sold right there on the property. These products are all produced from the grapes that they grow on the vineyard. In addition to this, this vineyard is also part of a group of farms in the area that work to expose youth to agriculture, mostly from Chattanooga. This place is well established with a tasting room made from a beautifully restored farmhouse that used to sit up the road and an adorable restored cabin where they sell their products. This vineyard is located with a view of the rolling Tennessee mountains and row after row of muscadine vines and understandably serves as a backdrop for lots of weddings and photo shoots. And this year, Solly Notch Vineyard will be hosting the National Muscadine Festival, which always falls on the last full weekend of September. The wines produced by Solly Notch are not your grandpa's super sweet wine. They produce a dry red, dry white, semi-sweet white, sparkling wine, and have consistently won yearly awards from competitions such as the Regional Wine Competition sponsored by Wines of the South Competition and the San Francisco Chronicle Wine Competition. So now that you've got all that, let's hear now from J.D. Dalton and get more information about Solly Notch Vineyard in Monroe County, Tennessee. Solly, which is our name, Solly Notch Vineyard. We were originally in 09, it was a different name, different owner, so we changed the name and we changed it to Solly Notch. And the reason why we did that was Solly was a Cherokee Indian chief. We feel like the Cherokees found muscadimes before anybody. You're not going to read that in a history book. It's not printed anywhere. That's just, we're giving credit back to where we feel like credit's due. They found them wild. They, you know, so again, now these aren't <laughs> what Solly would have found. You know, these are obviously... Um, commercialized here but but that was the first people that we feel like that found it so Solly was a Cherokee Indian chief he basically sacrificed himself to the soldiers so they would leave his people in the mountains of North Carolina he actually literally sacrificed if you read the story on Solly he literally sacrificed his being so that they the soldiers would leave his people in the mountains of North Carolina we've got a couple other wines named after some other Cherokee Indian chiefs and I like Dragon Canoe he was not like Solly, although he was a Cherokee Indian chief, but he was a little bit more, I cut your head off, talk about it kind of later kind of deal. And so our semi-sweet red, our second wine that we ever made, we named it Dragon Canoe for that reason. <laughs> you know, our first wine was Sweet Water, and then our second wine was Dragon Canoe. Um, but um, so a muscadine, to, to bring that all full circle, if you've never seen one, never heard of it, it only grows in the South. Uh, it is a fruit or a berry. It's in the grape family. Uh, but I tell people it's like no other fruit that you've ever tasted. Muscadine has its own 
taste, its own smell, its own whatever. It is similar to, but it's a it's a it, it's all on its own. So it has a thick skin, meaty inside, and seeds in it. Now most people do not eat the skins or the seeds. They're a little bit bitter, or can be a little bit bitter, but muscadines have the highest amounts of a reservatrol of any other fruit out there, which is an antioxidant property. So we have a lot of people that come here for you pick. They will pick their own fruit. They take it back home. They juice it. They make jellies. They make what pepper jellies. They do whatever. But then they take the skins and the seeds and they dry them and pulverize them into a powder form. And because of the reservatrol amounts in muscadines, they will add that throughout the year in their smoothies or... Muscadines is a unique, and I call it the muscadine twang. That's kind of my word uh, when people come and taste the juice, the, the wine, the jellies. And some people who have never had it are like, I don't know how to describe this. And, and really, it's something new. And so I throw the word in muscadine twang because it is unique to its own, and it, uh, it represents very well in dry wines, semi-sweets, sweet so it, it does a fantastic job now a lot of people probably know muscadine wine better because grandma and grandpa used to go out in the wild they would pick muscadines they would bring them back and grandma and grandpa would make maybe two or three gallon that would last them for the year now i'm not saying that grandma and grandpa were professionals and i'm definitely not saying they didn't do a good job but sometimes people that we see here when we say oh this is just muscadine wine they're like mm, i can't taste that i can't taste that my grandma and then the story comes out <laughs> or i'm like well this is a little bit different probably from your grandma or your grandpa's wine but and they might have been fantastic but that's kind of how i would describe uh, a muscadine I mean, if you've never seen it and you can only you can only hear and think about it it has that real thick skin that meaty jelly-like inside mm -hmm. and then the seeds in it mm -hmm. and again it's all great for you if you can get past the, the skins and the seeds are a little bit bitter uh, obviously if you get a muscadine that is completely ripe unfortunately i think a lot of people have tasted muscadines before they were actually ripe enough to taste as people find them in the market um and, and I'm not saying no names. They can't take them produce that is, you know, fresh and ripe today because by the time it got to them, it'd be ruined. And I, and I get no, that. I'd buy it. So a lot of people have never experienced a muscadine in its true form. Like, for example, they all start green, the varieties that we have. They all start out green. And then the dark varieties turn red. Then they turn shiny black. When they are dull black is the sweetest they're going to be. Now... Muscadines, unlike a tomato, unlike a banana, if you pick it green, it is green till it rots. Oh. It does not ripen off the vine. Oh. If you pick it ripe and ready, it's ripe and ready. So, you know, sometimes people experience that, and I'm a person that likes a little bit on the tartar, twangier side. So there are some varieties that are my favorite here in the vineyard. But for most people, they're looking for that super sweet. And, and you can find that, like in the blacks, that dull black color, sweetest it's going to be. It's ready to go. 
the bronze, when they get that deep, yeah. dull bronze color, mm-hmm. most of them that I have seen in markets in different places, not farmer's markets, but grocery store markets, they still have a ton of green to them. So you can make good wine with good quality fruit. You can't take all your bad fruit and try to make good quality wine. It doesn't work out that way. Just like when I first started going to my jelly lady, she said, listen, you bring me bad fruit, I produce you bad jelly. You bring me good fruit, I produce you good jelly. And I started thinking about that. I said, you know, now I'm not saying it has to be perfect and it doesn't have to look perfect to the naked eye. And because that's a lot of, we have gone like in the grocery stores, we want that perfect peach, we want that perfect muscadine, it has no blemish in it. But that's not natural. That's not really how it comes. Some of the best tomatoes I've ever had are the ones that look the funkiest. They had the best flavor to them. They were better for me. Same thing with muscadines. Now, we don't spray our vines with anything. So, super excited to say little Johnny can come. Grandma can take him out there with his bucket. If he happens to eat a 100 out there, it's okay. But we have sprayed it with nothing. Now, we do spray to kill grass underneath the rows. Mm -hmm. 35 acres is hard to maintain, and and there are three of us that work outside in the field. The one thing I think that we have that kind of hits home for people when they come here is not only do we have great wine, but you can look and see actually where that wine is started, where it grows. You know, you know everything that that you taste out of here comes in a bottle is grown right here on this ground. So mm-hmm. that is, and it's hard for me, and you would probably agree with me, it, and the view that we have is phenomenal. It is hard for me to take that, especially in a uh, audio or even digitally. I cannot capture that view that we have. And you're listening to the Tennessee Farm Table, and our guest is J.D. Dalton vineyard manager at Solly Notch Vineyard in Monroe County, Tennessee. After a short break from our sponsor, we'll return with J.D. and hear a few details about the upcoming National Muscadine Festival, which is coming up at the end of this month at Solly Notch Vineyard. Support for the Tennessee Farm Table is brought to you in part by Century Harvest Farms and Century Harvest Farms Foundation in Greenback, Tennessee. A sustainable farm in East Tennessee producing 100% grass-fed beef and other wholesome farm products. Preservative-free grass-fed charcuterie, preserves, pickles, and jams. Also home to the community-serving, food-insecurity-fighting Century Harvest Farms Foundation. Details at centuryharvest.org. Then let's join back up with J.D. and hear some detail about this annual National Muscadine Festival. Well, y'all are going to host the Muscadine Festival here. Tell What do people expect if they come out to that? Okay, so the Muscadine Festival started back in 2010. We actually partner, and we do this quite often, we partner with a lot of nonprofits. Because again, I'll go back, our staff here is like six of us. <laughs> so we can't put on uh, shindigs that have three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten thousand 10,000 people. It's hard to do with six people. So we partner a lot of times with nonprofits or for the Muscadine Festival example. It's a fundraiser from Monroe County Chamber. So there we have partnered with a nonprofit mm. so that they can use our facility 
to help benefit their cause and they do fantastic things at the chamber and it, it and it incorporates the whole Monroe County. It's not just Madisonville, Sweetwater, Vinyl. It's it's Monroe County as a whole. It's always the last full weekend of September. That's the kicker. So we'll have craft vendors, leather works, uh, some great food this year, have music. We have a VIP night, which is the Friday before. And so there'll be food here you can eat. So that gives you options to be able to shop first. Uh, we'll close the gates for you pick at five o'clock and then we'll open it back up, get in at 5.30. They'll be able to pick muscadines. They'll be able to taste muscadine wine. They'll be able to take a tour around the vineyard. Uh, and then we'll run that again on Saturday. So that's kind of Friday's. Yeah, it's just it's just fun. It's laid back, and, and that's that's what we, the whole point of the Muscadine Festival here at our our place has been. More, let's just let's let's enjoy it. Let's let's sit back. If you know if you decide you want to get some wine and bring it outside and enjoy it, that's great. If you decide you want to get some juice and you bring it outside and enjoy it, great. That's what we're kind of looking for. Not. Not so much. Oh, let's hurry and get there, and then after it's all over, forget it. Let's just let's just step back and relax a little bit. Well, you can do it out here. Yes, ma'am. And you're listening to the Tennessee Farm Table. Our guest has been J.D. Dalton, Vineyard Manager of Solly Notch Vineyard in Monroe County, Tennessee. And as always, details and links to all my guests and links to events that I share on the program can always be found on my website. TennesseeFarmTable.com. Coming up is Fred Sausman on apple butter and a sausage and apple butter recipe tip from the late storyteller Catherine Tucker Wyndham. The scene is similar in country churchyards all over our region during the fall harvest. Smoke drifts skyward from well-worn kettles. Wooden paddles keep their contents moving as liquid thickens. Church members of all ages supply the labor, trading places when arms get tired. It's a scene that dates back generations, yet modernity has not threatened it. A drive through the countryside on fall Saturdays in southern Appalachia is reassuring proof that the making of apple butter is alive and well, even thriving. Just as in worship services the following morning, each church has its own techniques and procedures. Some season their apple butter with cinnamon candy, some with cinnamon oil, some with ground cinnamon, some add an ecumenical sprinkling of cloves. Each implement has a story. Listen closely as the apple butter is stirred, and you might hear the scraping of metal on metal. Silver dollars are tossed into the mix to prevent sticking. Some kettles are brass, others copper. Part of the preparation ritual is scouring the kettle until it shines. As in any communal task, the making of apple butter dictates a division of labor, from building the fire to washing the jars. One fall Saturday, I watch as members of the Unicoi Ruritan Club and the Unicoi United Methodist Church Friendship Class join forces in a silently choreographed routine to pour the hot apple butter into jars and wipe them clean before labels are applied. It's the culminating point of a six-hour day of work and remembrance. Making apple butter is hastened by the silent urgency of the coolness of fall. 
As their ancestors did in Europe, apple butter makers in Appalachia today are driven by the coming of winter. Their product is yet another reminder of their genius in prolonging the goodness of the crop for months after trees have stopped bearing. Apple butter is, of course, best eaten as it is, scooped out with fingers plunged deep into jars, or spooned liberally on hot, scratch-made biscuits. The late storyteller Catherine Tucker Wyndham used it as a blanket for sausage. She would form fresh sausage into balls without any breading and brown them in a skillet. She would then drain them, place them in a baking dish, and cover them well with apple butter. She would then heat the apple butter and sausage balls in the oven until the mixture became bubbly. This season, I remember Catherine's love of this combination from the farm and her delight in making it in her kitchen all year long. And memory is really what apple butter is all about. For the Tennessee Farm Table, I'm Fred Sausman. In addition to the Tennessee Farm Table show as a podcast, the program is also a radio show which is broadcast every Saturday morning from 9 to 9.30 a.m. on the radio waves from the WDVX Knoxville studio in downtown Knoxville, Tennessee. WDVX is a non-commercial, listener-supported radio station and does not receive any support from universities or national public radio. Support for WDVX Radio comes from homegrown listeners like yourselves, volunteers, and businesses who believe in the mission of WDVX. WDVX delivers a hearty helping of variety programming for the whole community 24-7 for over 20 years now. Details at WDVX.com. And here are a few interesting events that are happening in our area that are brought to us by area nonprofit organizations that are specifically food or farming related. Going on right now, September 14th, the annual TVANI Fair in Knoxville. And continuing right now is the Junior Beef and Dairy Goat Show. At 4 o'clock today, a history talk with Jack Neely, who is the executive director of the Knoxville History Project, and he'll be speaking on 100 years of the Tennessee Valley Fair. And delivering agricultural education through juggling magic and jokes is the Farmer Phil Show at 2, 4, and 5.30. And there will also be a wheat thrashing exhibition as well, at 2 o'clock and 6 o'clock, presented by the Smoky Mountain Antique Engine and Tractor Association. And tomorrow, Sunday, September 15th, at the TVA and I Fair, there will be at 9 o'clock the Smoky Mountain Dairy Goat Association hosting the Fall Goat Show. At 2 and 6, there will be wheat thrashing exhibitions again and the Farmer Phil Show at 2, 4, and 5.30. The Blue Ribbon Country Fair at the Great Smoky Mountains Heritage Center in Townsend, Tennessee, takes place September 28th from 10 o'clock until 5 p.m. This event celebrates all that is good about an old-fashioned country fair, complete with competition in poultry, honey, baked goods, canning, student art and woodworking, floral design, and produce. And this family fun day includes historic games and contests, livestock displays, live music, and more. 
Special exhibits include the Townsend Artisan Guild Art Project Tent for both children and adults and the popular Farmer in the Cove interactive exhibit for young visitors. And also on Saturday, there will be music, storytelling, and events such as the Catch a Greased Pig Contest at 11.15, followed by the Hog Calling Contest, and then Livestock Demonstrations. At 1.45, there will be a Rooster Crowing and Crow Like a Rooster Contest in the Big Barn. At 3 p.m. will be the Lodge Ladies Skillet Throw in the front field. And at 4 p.m., the Watermelon Seed Spitting Contest in the Amphitheater. There is a modest admission price, and there is no admission for Heritage Center members, all part of the Blue Ribbon Country Fair. Again, September 28th at the Great Smoky Mountains Heritage Center in Townsend, Tennessee. And they're still taking entries for all of their different divisions. And I believe that closes at September 20th. For links and information for the Blue Ribbon Country Fair, the TV A&I Fair, and the National Muscadine Festival, and all of my guests, always at TennesseeFarmTable.com. Thank you so much for joining us here today at the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast. It has been an honor to have your good company. We always love to hear from you on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, or through the website TennesseeFarmTable.com. I'd sure love to hear from you and swap some recipes and stories. Big thanks to Emmy Sunshine of Madisonville, Tennessee for the musical arrangement and singing and recording of our theme song, for updated appearances, schedule, news, and her new recording. Connect with Emmy Sunshine at TheEmmySunshine.com. We hope you have a good week and keep on digging. This has been a Campbell Creative Incorporated production.